Hello everybody, on today's episode you will hear from Temu where he will not only talk about biohacking your health but also biohacking your ego and consciousness. The upcoming summit and the event he and I are organizing on the 3rd of September. Don't forget to turn on notifications, it will help you invite bigger and better guests. Enjoy the show. Demo, welcome to the Friday show. It's an honor. I've been into biohacking for a while now, and you seem to be like the number one biohacker wizard in, in this industry. I wanted to talk to you specifically because there is a lot of focus on fixing the body, fixing problems, and you seem to focus on expanding consciousness. That's also the theme of the next summit, of course. And I wanted to talk about your journey in expanding your consciousness. And I was wondering if you could introduce yourself briefly and so that we can dive in deeply short after. Sure. Thank you very much. So biohacking has been part of my journey for over a decade. So I, I had my own health issues in 2011 after a decade of entrepreneurship. I guess once you are turning 30 that's when you are more likely to get you know punished by life so in your 20s you get away with things but once i turned 30 that's when i got some health issues stress-related illness and i used biohacking to get myself back to health i'm a technologist i've been an entrepreneur since i was 16 i'm in my 40s now although i look like i'm in my 20s according to many people but actually 10 years ago, I did look older than I look right now. And part of the reason is, of course, like the fact that I've been optimizing my biology for the last 10 years. But in the process, I realized that often you are on the way of your own personal development and whatever led to the health problems in the first place, when let's say that might be perfectionism or overworking or not feeling enough or something like this. That leads into an entrepreneurial life for many. Always trying to achieve things over achieving things and surpassing even your own achievements. When you go through a healing journey where you fix your issues, so many people do end up with biohacking when they have some health issues. So maybe they have chronic fatigue or they have some inflammation or gut issues or even, even the famous brain fog that's when they turn into these tools and some of them have more serious conditions might be diabetes or or just being overweight and want to lose weight whatever it is once you go through the journey of fixing yourself biologically then what often happens you have an emotional connection to your new identity and your healing process so that can become your new identity so in a way the control mechanism that led to the health problems in the first place gets replaced by another, which is trying to focus on health and wellness. And this kind of obsessive optimization of health and wellness, it's not the worst of addictions, I have to say. Like, there's probably worse things you can do with your life for sure. Trying to be healthy is, even if you are already healthy, is is not necessarily the the worst of them 
but it's also something that might be on the way of your own personal development of not addressing the underlying reasons why why you got the issues in the first place. And so I focus a lot on psychology nowadays as well because what I, one thing that I observed about doing this thing for over a decade and also organizing the Parker Summit, which is one of the top parking conferences in the world, focusing on optimal health and performance, was that a lot of people on this field, they are wounded healers. So they have some kind of wounding experience in their life that led to this interest. And there is a lot of beautiful things that can come out of that kind of transformation. But I also noticed that these wounded healers, like there is an underlying pattern that connects them in some ways. It can be what I described as perfectionism. It can be this overachiever type, this high performer type that in other conditions might probably shorten their lifespan. So when they focus on life extension, they can actually extend their lifespan. But it's kind of freaks of nature in some way. Like these are often neurologically not typical people who go on this kind of path. And if you look at the figures who are leading this industry, they also have this wounded healer archetype. And they went through some personal issues that led to this lifestyle in the first place. And because they are extremists uh, and they do everything at max, they become the role models of this whole thing. And it mirrors a lot our society, which is now driven by cultures. Like if you want visibility, views, followers, listeners, whatever, you have to be a bit of a freak and very focused on whatever you do. So if it's a specific diet, let's say you're a vegan or you're carnivore or you're keto, you have to be like full on that. Like if you are like just a little bit, no one's going to be interested. But if you're like full on keto Mike, like people are going to follow you or you are the organ supplement guy or you are the ice bath guy or you are this or that. Like we can all recognize these like characters in a sense. To me, these are almost like circus animals that people come to watch online in, in like nicely contained cages. And they actually created that cage for themselves. It's their own creation in a sense. Like they started with that with enthusiasm and it became an identity and then it became a lifestyle, then it became work. There's nothing bad about it. But I've also noticed that there's a disconnect sometimes between who they portray themselves to be and who they actually are. So there might be like, like as an example, and I think it's very healthy also not to be an extremist. And it's in the biohacking philosophy even. Like if you think of like one of the basic rules, which was popularized very much by Tim Ferriss, is the 2080 rule. The 20% of work results in 80% of improvement or results. And you don't need to focus on 100%. You can focus only on the 20% that will re- produce most of the results. And it's true for health. Like if you do just a few things right in your day, like most likely you're already 80% there. If you exercise a little bit, if you eat a so-called healthy diet, whatever that might be linked to your biology. If you have a circadian rhythm that is nicely adjusted with your sleep schedule, you're already doing a lot of good things. And if you do some stressful things in moderation, 
that's also great so like exercise or ice baths or sauna or something like this so what doesn't kill you makes you stronger but there is also the chance that you do then everything at 100 percent so you figure out the 20 percent and then you try to feel 100 percent of the day with like optimal routines and lifestyle and it becomes you become a machine almost like it's like the most common question that I get is like, what is your morning routine? What is your evening routine? What is what is your daily routine looks like? So we try to like crack the algorithm of a perfect day. And in a sense, you can try to achieve that, but there is no such thing as a perfect day. And actually, like less is more in most cases. And I've noticed like some of these people, they get depression out of not being able to like keep up with whatever they set themselves up to be. So I've noticed like burnouts or depression in this older type. This kind of anxiety is very typical. Also, I've noticed in some cases a collapse of not just being able to be that person anymore and just like shifting gears, identity, going to a new industry, like just like realizing biking was not like for me kind of thing. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, some people do keep up with it, but like when they do, like I see there's a lot of like cluster B personality type in it, meaning narcissism or psychopathy or even borderline behaviors. So a lot of mental illness is connected to this kind of obsessive like behaviors and also to lack of impulse control to some extent. But in in a sense, when you create this kind of avatar or character of yourself, and that becomes an identity, like like either either you try to become, you know, this thing that you created, and actually, which is amplified by your audience also. So the the moment you start to get followers and likes, you get positive reinforcement from the network. That kind of becomes a source of dopamine, and you're a dopamine addict of like attention then or like whatever your ordering is going to tell you in the morning. So you, you seek gratification from external sources, like you're not really happy inside and content, but you're like just like trying to control your environment. And that's also one of the definitions of biohacking, that biking is about optimizing the environment outside and inside of you. I would say not optimizing, but controlling you're controlling the environment inside and outside of you so that you can live your best life, in a sense, to perform better, to get more done, to be more healthy. So the whole preset and pretext for this is highly beneficial. And potentially we will like discover methods and tools through which we can live longer. But life expectancy is still at 120 max uh, to live a centarian you have to be extremely lucky. It's not fully dictated by lifestyle, as we noticed from researching centurions. You can like live perfectly healthy lifestyle and get cancer also. So there, there is like statistical relevance to these things, of course. Like if you do take care of yourself, you will obviously have higher chance of living longer. But the claims that you're gonna like live 120 or 180 or over 200 or something it's just not founded on anything at the moment but like 
belief that exponential technologies, AI, whatever is going to take care of whatever obstacles you might have in your <laughs> health on the on your journey. But it's very interesting to me. And in the end, uh, I think we all need to go through like different cycles. Like personally, for me, the first decade was about the mind, like learning about the world and like becoming an expert on many things and like building a career on it, becoming a professional speaker also. And maybe the next decade of that was the decade that was focused on the body. So that was biohacking pretty much, like realizing that I also need a well-functioning biology to do my work. And once you are there, I've noticed that it opens up possibilities for wider contemplation of meaning. And that's maybe the, we can describe it as the spirit or the soul level, depending on where you come from or purpose like why do you optimize yourself why do you learn all these things why do you perfect like aspects like for what reason are you doing this like are you doing it for your own grandiose personal needs to feel feel better or are you doing this like for something that is impactful for the humanity like is it is it like the through the work that you do like what is the legacy you're leaving in a sense and like how that is connected to everything else that is going on in a sense. So for me, it has been this realization that health is wealth. When you live longer, eventually we all are going to die. And we work, the kind of the paradox is that we, we work all our life to get all this wealth. And then we spend all that wealth to get back our health. That's what most people go through, like with medical bills for example it's very expensive to to stay alive long and in the end the question is that like if you can be less of a burden to the medical system in a sense by taking good care of yourself how would you reinvest that extra time productivity capability and all of that so so that's that's kind of key here and i think there has been many different approaches to this, like from yoga to meditation, like Zen Buddhist techniques, to like even like modern athletes and king now, like as a way of like pushing the boundaries of the body and the mind, so you can focus on like bigger questions in a sense, and and that's what I personally try to do with my attention and time and impact. Is is like how how can I like leave a mark that is not me in a sense like it's kind of like how how I'm helping a bigger change to happen in a sense in the way how we perceive health and our role in this whole thing, but it, it's it's very hard because it's like most people who are in the biggest need for this kind of stuff they couldn't care less and that's what the medical system is dealing with every day is people who like think that you live only once kind of thing and life enjoyment comes from addictions and self-destructive behaviors in some cases and it's all fine like i mean it's the 2080 rule right like drinking alcohol is not bad on its own if you're a fundamentalist you think that alcohol even a drop will kill you but like our biology has adapted 
through centuries to process fermented foods that we have been picking up from the ground. Our livers have glutathione. Like we can, we can deal with environmental toxins just fine. And it's actually sometimes beneficial to be challenged a little bit. But in the end, it's the behavior. Like even things like grains have been demonized as like the worst thing ever, like gluten. And often people have got issues to wheat products. It's not the gluten. It's the gliadin, actually, as an example. So there is a lot of fundamentalist thinking about this. But the whole point is that the dose makes the poison, in a sense. The the amount is key here. Like, I don't think a burger will kill you. But if you do it every single day, that might have some effects, depending on what kind of burger that is. But then you have, like, carnivores who are eating the same food every day, like avocados and, like, uh, steak or keto people. And they have reduced, like, bacterial diversity in their guts because they they just eat the same food all over again and it's it's like if you think of bodybuilders like with their food prepping like they're just having having the same meals all the time and our biology is not like designed that way we have seasonality seasonal foods like it's like this cyclical thing seems to be relevant for a healthy balanced system and any kind of fundamentalist thinking is 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 going to backfire on you like that's what i learned looking at things like you can't like just have new tropics and sleep four hours a night and expect you're gonna live 180 although some people might claim that it's not true like there is a pay payment that you need to make at some point in the future for whatever you do in an extreme way and in the end, like our biology is very resistant to like temporal extremities, and it's actually beneficial. We call those hormetic stressors, or like those are like the positive challenges that help your body to adapt. Like we, we do exercise to cause damage on the muscle, so it will grow more capillaries and and improve nutrient delivery into the muscles. Like, but if you do over exercise you're going to burn out. So it's like, it's a, it's a fine balance of things that I learned. And I think it also, in the end, the issue there is in the mind. It's not in the body. Like it, like whatever led you to your health problems or whatever leads to this like extremist behavior, it's some kind of like psychological pattern behind it. And Maybe it's fear of death, in a sense, like that you rely and cling on the things that you know works, at least you think you know, and we do it repeatedly. We are all victims of that, in a sense. It's very hard to change behavior. It's very easy to repeat patterns. So we are kind of like computer programs that are executing the same commands all the time, and it's very, very hard to change things, like even your morning routines or evening routines whatever you do like it's like we all have our patterns of behavior and we know in some cases extremely well what our issues are but we can't like help it we can't do anything about it it's it's just like you're like powerless and doing something that changes that requires a lot of energy and attention and focus discipline in some extent and repetition for something to become engraved as new patterns and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, talking about expanding consciousness, humans have expanded consciousness like through different techniques throughout millennia, breath work, fasting, starving, sleep deprivation, utilization of molecules, plants, toxins, chemicals, whatever, doing extreme feats of cold, of heat, of of lack of whatever, water, food. We've been like starving ourselves. We have used like rhythmic music, like different sensory experiences, sensory deprivation even, sensory overload, like all kinds of means to like just push the system and see what happens. And often that's where some kind of religious or alternate altered states are accessed. And it's very natural in a sense. And I, I spoke to be recently who is a 70 plus year old man who's been like looking at different brain states for long and he said that it's healthy it's like you need this like chaotic state occasionally actually like you need to like let go of the default mode network like just to like hold on to your sanity in a sense like and that's what i think is happening when you have someone who is like trying to fully control everything and just like can't keep up with it. Like you're just you just need a break from like that overachiever type in a sense. And to be okay with that and to be honest with it and to be also vulnerable with it is is a different feat. But the challenge is that when you're on the internet, people are watching, right? They are like they're judging. They are expecting you to be in a certain way. And I went through in the last year or so of not using any variables. And like my media has uh, kind of appearance has been with like devices and trackers and technologies and all that. And it's been very liberating to me to realize that I don't need some of these things actually on a daily basis saves a lot of time but it also shows to me like i learned already what they have to offer in a sense so like i've learned i've derived knowledge from there that helps me to like even something like knowing my heart rate without looking at what it is right now knowing my stress levels without knowing my heart rate variability like knowing my recovery knowing my sleep quality without looking at the data like, how do you learn that? By looking at the data, obviously. Like, once you've been observing that for a decade, you don't need any of this stuff. Like, when you speak to athletes, they know if what heart rate zones they are. They don't need a heart rate monitor to tell them that. So that's the learning that comes out of it. And then you can, like, you can let go of some of these things. So when people start with something, they become fundamentalists. Daily routines, like, meal plans, how many calories, how many grams of this and that. And once you do that, and you actually kind of have to, in a way, become a little bit fundamentalist in the beginning, so you learn it, then you can relax a little bit. Some people can't let go of that. Some people cling on it, trying to squeeze even more like results. But maybe there is like diminished returns. So like, in a way... It's kind of like wisdom that develops. It's like in martial arts, like 
in the beginning you have to learn the forms and you have like very rigid techniques that you practice and once you are good enough you can start to improvise and you don't need to like you can take shortcuts in a sense and i think that's also what i think that's what biohacking is ideally is like you you know your every day is going to be different you don't have one routine like you can like depending on what your day is going to look like you can you have strategies you have tools you have techniques you can use them and you don't need to like run them rigidly like a computer program so in some periods of time you better meditate more on some periods you know you better focus on like physical exercise on some periods it's better to just not do anything and it's it's like like being able to tune into what what your body needs and also like what the environment like is responsive to and you what you are responsive to is is kind of like gathering this kind of inner wisdom of like you have these tools then you can use them but you don't have to use so much energy anymore on all of it in a sense so it's kind of like in martial arts i i practiced aikido and in aikido it was developed by morihei ueshiba who learned all the like samurai and weapon arts and in the end of his life he developed this art which is empty-handed so there's no weapon in it but you can kind of see it still there but he saw that as a more advanced technique more advanced level is the empty-handed so that's kind of the idea here like when you have your aura ring and your wearable and your supplements and all of that like at what point can you say that like i don't need that like or i i use it only when i need to like it's kind of like at what point there's you can start focusing your attention somewhere else because we can get very occupied by like a lot of external stimuli that we need to do on a daily basis so that's kind of the cage that people put themselves in in a sense and it 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 gives you a lot for sure but i see now some people in the industry also turning a little bit against the optimized life tim ferris just recently although he's been the like icon of this whole thing he he started promoting an unoptimized life like focusing more on the emotional side because he's been fighting depression all his life and maybe part of that has been this like overachiever type so it's it's very interesting to see happening in a sense and it is like not like like in a way you have to master or perfect an art so you know like which aspects of that are no longer needed in a way and kind of like he wrote the book for our body and for our work week and he never probably even worked for four hours a week or four hours on the body so he probably worked like a hundred hours right so like that's kind of what easily happens is like you look for these shortcuts and oops it became like anyway like everything you do so that that's interesting what you yeah. described there and i love the similarities with mixed martial arts as well i'm a big fan of mixed martial arts especially the philosophy behind it and what i hear from your story is that you perfected the the jabs the cross whatever movements you had to practice and that you can now do it based on your intuition just like the champions in in mixed martial arts do 
So basically, you are a, mar a big martial artist in biohacking. Right. Um, so you have to build your own art in a way. Like this is art and science of optimizing, you know, your biology and health. What biohacking is, it's art, not just science. So what is the art? It's like you, you have to make it your own in a sense. Like you, you, you like try different things and you learn different things and you have different idols, but you don't need to become your idols. And that's the problem. You need to become you. A lot of people they try to be something else than themselves like they they try to be someone else in a way and that's kind of what is very easily happens in social media because we have mirror cells and we imitate we learn through imitation so we start to do the same things like our role models do and you know there's different things like almost like blue light blocking glasses and like fat-based bulletproof type of coffee like becomes almost like a gang sign that you like signal to others that hey i'm part of this tribe and it's fine but like why why don't you just like break the rigid like framework and try to figure out your own way and that's that's kind of the breakthrough that i i love to see more and like that brings more diversity and uniqueness and because in the end it's Nothing is unique. Like everything is some type of imitation or repurposing ideas or recombining ideas. I just met like a couple of days ago online this guy who is he's a surgeon, and he he realized that people who come to plastic surgery they go through like a massive transformation of their identity. Like their body basically changes like in an instant. So he needs to prepare them psychologically to that. So he's combining now plant medicines with surgery. So wow. he's like he's he's running them through like legal uses of uh, to prepare them to this new image that they're gonna be, and then like turning the whole experience into a ceremony. And they use ketamine as a anesthetic. So like that's also one of those disassociative things that can be amplified the whole experience with like. So basically, the whole surgery is not like a traditional surgery at all. So I, I I find it very interesting, like when people start to like take some things that they used themselves and like or experienced, and then incorporate that into their craft and make something super unique out of it. That's cool, and that's that's what I wanna also do in Amsterdam. So expanding consciousness is to celebrate. It's it's this whole thing, all these potentials. Of expanding consciousness and see what comes out of it we have a 16 generation samurai from japan on stage with a peru shaman and then maybe a professor who's done human studies on these things so you have like the different schools or modalities or traditions or or belief systems or techniques having a conversation about this and the conference on its own is not like just presentations it's like a festival it's an experience so there's a lot of focus on the experience side of things if listening to presentations is not your thing we have a experiential space which is an hour if like if you want to hang out with other people we have cool artistic spaces to do that in and we have artists also who like amplify the environment to who are also like like in their craft exploring expanded consciousness in different forms and ways so i always find it very interesting when i organize these events like what kind of people show up and what comes out 
And we always want to focus on something that has not been said in some ways. And in biohacking, a lot of things have been said about like how to optimize your routines. So last year in Amsterdam, we focused on the psychology a little bit. The team was hacked the ego. And this year, the expanding consciousness thing is kind of a continuation of that. And I see that there is this increasing need for meaning in people. Like there is this conscious community even that is entering biohacking. So a lot of people go to retreats. They go to like different type of ceremonies or experiences. Could be breath work, could be plant medicines, could be meditation, yoga, sensory deprivation, isolation, vipassana, whatever, like dark rooms, like all kinds of things that people do. And it's it's fascinating to me what the kind of underlying currents or trends are. But I think what's going on there is like, we are a little bit disconnected of purpose or meaning in some form. Like maybe a couple of centuries ago, it was easier to go to a church and like be part of that kind of community. But now it's kind of like, oh, that's not really a well, well aligned anymore. So like I, th- I see people are now replacing that with AI. So there's like a AI religion almost like emerging now the belief that machines will know better than we like what should we do kind of some same the way like we believe that god has like a plan for us in a way so maybe ai will have a plan for us next but like this search for meaning in an increasingly changing and weird environment we are in or the world where you can't like hold on to anything anymore like you can trust your media you can trust your like supermarkets or food you can trust you can trust like even borders or like whatever of of like cultures or religions everything is getting mixed up on the internet and this kind of like like you don't even know your neighbors anymore like your community is somewhere out there like this one thing that i noticed like people come to this parking conference they might have no friends in their like hometown like who do this stuff like they're the only one so they they want to find the others in a sense and there's a lot of these kind of sub communities and tribes in in the internet that gather around different topics and that's how you find the others and you want to meet them for sure that's what it serves and like like this kind of like searching in a way like searching like some kind of like purpose for things is 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 like like it's it's like creating these avenues or gathering points for people to to like express themselves and now like we go into the past we don't like we we are we we almost romanticize indigenous people ancient techniques like in in diets it was the paleo diet like how what did a paleolithic man eat how did they live like living like a caveman like it's kind of like as if in the past we knew better than now how to conduct our lives so we go into the past into the aboriginals or indigenous people and we try to imitate what they did it's smart because we have definitely lost our connection to something nature primarily and this like that unnatural environment we are in void of 
spirits and God, in a sense, is what leads people to search for like some higher meaning for whatever they do. And and yeah, like I I like to talk about that also. Like I think it's an interesting topic to have and timely and needed and shine some light in it because I also see that in the conscious community there's a lot of bypassing going on. We can call it spiritual bypassing. With psychedelics, it can be psychedelic bypassing. So believing that like like these things that are on the outside are somehow the cure or some kind of like access to something. And while the you know it's all all along inside of you in a sense, it's cliche, but that's how it is. So we keep, we search for things from the outside, and we in the end we realize we need to change from the inside, and like it's no external factor that's gonna like suddenly give you like the the solutions. Like you can change, you can like get crazy about the diet or a supplement stack or or a compound or even a practice, but it's more than that, right? It's like 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 there's a component in it which is not external that you also need to like work on so i i find that fascinating like just to give you an example of this is like there are people who get into this like healing journey and then like all the pain and the trouble gets replaced by just light and love and it's that's a bypass right there like trying to not see things as they are but you know, trying to transform them to something else and like kind of running away from it, like bypassing, believing that, I mean, there's people who get cancer and they believe that they don't need any treatment. Like they just, you know, like need to meditate and it suddenly goes away. That's a bypass. Yeah, sometimes that works. It absolutely has the capability of doing it, but like your chances are pretty slim. Now, if you have trauma, like thinking that like forgiving whatever happened to you or whoever did whatever did to you is like going to be the solution alone is is a bypass also it's kind of like i mean there's a lot of power in transforming your experiences into into empowering things but like it doesn't change like in the end what happened so there for example there's advice like if you have difficulty to talk, talk to someone, like talk to a therapist, talk to a friend, talk to whoever. But what you're doing, you are strengthening the networks related to those experiences, actually. And so then at some point it can be- become an identity. And I noticed that with physical ailments is that when people adopt an identity that I have diabetes or I, I have a certain mental illness <clears throat> or I have ADHD, whatever, it's it becomes an identity it's like it's part of you like and the healing from that is actually to let go of it that you 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 realize that you don't need to be anymore the the one who has attention problems or the one who has like metabolic issues or whatever like it's part of the healing is to let go of the identity of the sick person and by reading on it and dwelling on it and going from one healing session to another and like having this feeling of like shedding layers and layers but never really like getting to the core of it is it's kind of we create our own illusions in a sense and yeah it doesn't mean you shouldn't work on it definitely should 
but there's like a limit to it. It's kind of like this perfectionist approach, like 2080, right? So you don't need to make it all your life in a sense, but many people do because they have such a deep emotional connection to whatever they went through. So when, when they went through, let's say they had health issues, inflammation, autoimmune disease, and now, now it's in remission, they're still like this ex person who has these autoimmune conditions. I mean, and, it's a remission, bro. But before uh, one can heal from that pattern, for example, or can move on from that cycle, how can people make that first step in awareness before they expand? What I find interesting is neuroplasticity. So we thought that the brain is not able to change. It also applies to mental illness. We think of, for example, that psychopathic traits are untreatable, or we think of that you're born with it almost. Or narcissistic personality type is very, very hard to treat. This is the like like Western scientific understanding of things. Like you can like kind of manage it, but it's like it's it's you. But I believe that there is modalities that are coming out now from our latest scientific understanding would be able to help us to attack these networks in the brain in a way that can transform and induce neuroplasticity in a way that uh, you you literally become another person in, in that sense. Like we think of our personality or identity as something unchangeable, but I I believe it's like a half-truth. Like we're limiting ourselves believing that it's not possible to change some things after you are an adult, that some some things are just part of you and you are like this. But by using different techniques that induce neuroplasticity, and healthy living is one of them for sure. Sleeping enough is one of them. Meditation is one of them. Certain compounds can induce neuro, neurofeedback, biofeedback-like techniques can induce these states. So so there is a lot of different techniques that you can combine that can potentially change the mind. And what I find interesting in the Amazonian healing arts is that for them, like all illness is rooted in the mind to a certain extent, that the fact that you got ill is because of psychology. You created the conditions for like they would talk about like malicious spirits or entities, but like for us, it could be bacteria viruses, like they didn't have microscopes. So that's what they saw. So, and now we know it's an immune system. So what, what is the behavioral pattern that weakens your immune system so that the pathogen gets through? Or what are the conditions that you create that like slows down your recovery? So in the end, it's, it's, it's a lot in you, in, in the way you conduct yourself in relationship to the environment that either reduces or increases your risks <clears throat> in a sense. And risk aversion on its own can also be not healthy. Take Michael Jackson, for example, being in an oxygen chamber all the time with gloves on. He, he was definitely a bio, pretty neurotic about bacteria. Like, I mean, that also weakens your immune system, like to not to be exposed to these elements of challenge. So what can people do? is like a multimodal approach. It's simultaneously not just like cognitive. Like like Western psychotherapy, for example, has focused a lot on cognitive behavioral therapy and like 
thinking through and talk therapy and just like cognitively coming up with solutions. But there's a somatic component also to this. Anyone who does ice baths or sauna or whatever, like physical feats, knows about this and how that like modulates your stress response. So the body stores a lot of things. So like learning to shake that off or work with it is one. And then I believe like there is there is a lot of interesting technologies, maybe using audio or light or some kind of form of modulating your nervous system through neurofeedback or that can like change the way you relate to your environment. For example, I just had a conversation with Dave Asprey the other day and when I met him and he like I told him that I have this challenge of like there's absolutely nothing wrong with my hearing but when I'm in a noisy environment I have really hard time isolating what someone is saying or sounds like there's nothing wrong in my hearing it's just like like my brain is not able to focus on one thing at a time but it's receiving everything and it's a bit energy consuming and that's why I don't like to go to nightclubs or whatever like noisy environments chaotic environments it's more taxing on the nervous system so there's a genetic component to it i discovered but for it to be genetic it doesn't mean it can't change that and there is neuro neurofeedback techniques that help your brain to train for that so for example you might have a system that is producing sounds or let's say voice that is kind of tricking your brain not to like recognize all of it like it needs to work harder to fill in the blanks and that like training can help you to train that system so you can more easily isolate like like signals and sounds and like mindfulness meditation is just another example of techniques that have shown to induce neuroplasticity so if you are a reactive person that you react to signals very easily like just practicing mindfulness where you are just observing what's happening you had a stimulus then you get a reaction and you don't have to react you can just observe what's going on that's pretty much the core of mindfulness training is that you are observing what's happening you're not attaching to anything you're not reacting any moment you notice that your mind is like drifting off of that focus of non-attachment like you just like get back to and that can then transition into your wakeful state like then suddenly throughout the day you can like see stuff happening and you're not reacting to it because you have a, suddenly a little bit more room between stimulus and response so you can create this room like consciously so so there's a lot of techniques that have been known for a long time and there's like novel technologies and cutting edge stuff that are approaching the problem from different directions but in the end what biohackers do is behavior change and control you change your behavior which is super hard and then you induce beneficial patterns or routines that hopefully are good for you in the long term and not turn into pathological addictions <laughs> but but in the end like that's that's pretty much like what's going on there and the dance between the two the modulation between changing networks of thought and behaviors and then like inducing routines in those like that's kind of kind of how you develop an algorithm for your day or life in a sense and 
there is no one perfect approach, right? So there's always options and there's always decades in your life and there's like contextual things that influence how you do things. Like imagine being at home versus being on the road. You probably have different routines, right? And it's actually very healthy to do things occasionally differently and to be open for it. So, so, so yeah, like I don't have a clear answer to this, but I believe this is an important conversation to have and to recognize the problems in the overachiever type that it goes into the extreme, recognizing the, 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 what is the fundamental things that people actually try to do when they try to change something, why they do it, and how they can achieve that in the most effective way. Because if you think of trauma, that's like the challenge with that is that so if you have a physical trauma, you are in a car accident, it's very different from a psychological trauma. In a psychological trauma, you are re-experiencing the same patterns repeatedly. So what happened to you, tra- trauma is not really what happened to you. It's your response to those events, which keeps on repeating. That's a trauma, basically. So you like maybe you overreact to other people or signals in a you know, exaggerated way. And that's a sign of like some issues you haven't worked on. So when someone goes through that, they are not really reacting to what you do or what is happening. They are reacting to something that happened to them like decades ago. And sometimes it's stuff that happened not to them, but to their parents or grandparents that is then passed on to them as behavioral patterns. And like becoming aware of that, is often the first step. Like when you increase your awareness that, hey, I have this thing going on here, that's already like there is this like awareness of it. It's almost like you're giving a presentation or you're speaking and you notice that you use a lot of filler words, you know, using like, like words. Like once you are aware of it, you can pay attention to it. You can might still repeat it, but you have better chances of reducing its effects because you are consciously aware when you are speaking that when there is a moment where I could throw in a filler word, I'm just going to be silent. And it's kind of like that, how you like become aware of patterns in your life and you can consciously be aware of their effects. And you can, I mean, it's like an onion, like you can just shed it layer by layer no one's going to be perfect on the first go. But the awareness of it is the first step. Then, then there is the willingness and the intention to change something. And then there's the techniques and tools you use. And once you change those things to be aware of the shadow of it all, like, like, like uh, did you induce just another layer of rigidity into your behaviors or are you flexible? So like there is, there's a lot of details into it interesting and i find it a very different approach to biohacking that the industry already gives because the whole industry is mostly from what what i am seeing about curing about about fixing the outside layers and i feel like you're giving it a whole new perspective or to go inside and cure it from there yeah, like there's a lot of focus on the mastery of things, right? 
And I think that's also like what is in the whole personal development industry is like focusing on like mastery of things. And we, we, we like to imitate those people who made it. So in personal development, it might be like if you don't have any money, you're going to listen to people who have money or who made it. And, and ideally, they had nothing before they made it, right? So it's kind of like you need to relate to these people in some way. The same with, let's say you have metabolic issues. You need to lose weight. You want to learn from an ex-obese person because you relate to that person more because they were and now they have something you want. So like, there's a lot of that going on. And unfortunately, like some of the people you imitate, like they are often extreme caricatures. And you don't want to be an extreme caricature in the end. Uh, but some people, like, they, they, they do become their idols. Like, there's so many people out there who want to be Dave Asprey, for example. Or they want to be Wim Hof, right? <laughs> and, like, you can't be Wim Hof and you can't be Dave Asprey. You have to be you. And realizing where, like, you are in the whole equation is, is kind of key. And the thing about, like, personality disorders is that recently I, I really like to share something called the dark factor model which is the dark factor archetypes of the psyche like there is different spectrums to it let me have a sip of water yes <coughs> some electrolytes yeah so so what was i saying I was you were at dave asprey oh and yeah you... yeah so like recognizing where you start and where you idolize something like this is this is how like people who grow up do like when you are like a child you're in a symbiotic relationship with your caretakers like there's no separation between you and the mother when you're like two one or two years old like when mother goes to other room you really believe mother is dead now you start to cry and when mother appears again in your sensory experience like oh mother is alive but it takes some time before you start to realize when mother goes to other room mother still exists then at that stage, you're idolizing your caretakers. Like everything your parents do is the most amazing thing ever. Everything they do is awesome. But then comes the process of separation and individuation where you start to test the boundaries. Suddenly things that mother and father do, they're no longer cool. What your friends do is cool. You start to imitate idols. You find people from the internet, music artists, uh, YouTubers, whatever, like cool kids on the block, who you want to be. You start to imitate how they dress, how they behave, like how they speak, like what they're interested in, like whatever. Like you start to idolize others because you're kind of seeking yourself in a sense. So you become this emo child. And in those teen years, like this rebellion leads into hopefully into separation and then individuation, meaning that you actually integrate yourself, what you actually like, what you, your own like unique characteristics. And that's the moment when you kind of fly out of the nest. But some people, they never get there. Like they get stuck in trying to be other people. And that's what narcissistic personality disorder actually is all about. It's like you are so utterly afraid of looking at yourself, you want to be someone else. So someone else is all the things you see in others that you grave for. And you try to like, like create this character 
that integrates all of those aspects. And the, the emotional insecurity leads into like grandiose behaviors and like pushing others down and elevating yourself up and like trying to enforce that illusion, like trying to get validation for it from external sources. And uh, we all have these aspects to some extent. And we can like show these aspects in certain situations, like especially relationships can bring up like these kind of childhood behaviors a lot. So then you see what you need to work on in a sense. And to me, realizing that you're in that kind of loop might also be beneficial. Recognizing the narcissistic characteristics in you or psychopathic characteristics also. We, we tend to think also also very often that other people are like psychotic, but you are not. Like, But we all are capable for even at least temporarily on, on psychopathic behaviors, which is very often goal-oriented and self-serving. And I think a lot of biohacking can be very self-serving and very goal-oriented. It's like often neglecting sometimes others just to you know, have your way, in a sense. And that's the fear of losing control often behind it. So you need to like control things, in a sense. It can be very hard to like just let go of some of the control aspects or mechanisms. But that's exactly kind of what in a healthy way when you grow up like happens in a sense like you let go of some security you test your boundaries you figure out you didn't die and it's okay but some people become very reliant on external factors and if you think of like something like anorexia nervosa where you control your diet to to feel appreciated or loved or like often inside you're never satisfied like that leads into this pathology where it becomes like 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 this hit on on what you eat becomes actually dangerous to yourself and and then orthorexia where like you are obsessed with healthy living that can also i i see that a lot like in people who like in parking community there's a lot of people who are utterly afraid of heavy metal toxicity or emf electromagnetic radiation and for them they get symptoms even of the idea of wireless networks or like some kind of like like environmental chemicals or toxins and it's in some cases yes it's true like like if you have been like or molds even like some people who have been exposed to moldy environments their immune systems do definitely overreact even to the smallest amount so they become utterly afraid of having any kind of mold anywhere and interestingly enough there there is this like a nocebo effect so another placebo with kind of beneficial physiological effects but a negative like psychological effect and this has been shown with even with these wearables like if you have an activity tracker that tells your sleep score and if I rig that system, that if you sleep really well, I tell you you slept poorly. And if you slept really poorly, I will tell you that you slept really well. It will affect your cognitive test results. Just this like belief that even though you slept well and it goes against your intuition, 
you are being told that you you haven't slept well, you haven't recovered, you start to show effects of sleep deprivation in your daily life. It's crazy how the psychology can influence this. And there's this whole observer effect. When someone is observing something, you're changing the system in a sense. So when you're like overly focused on what kind of data you're getting for that to need to be perfect, like you're kind of like digging your own grave right there. And it's it's quite fascinating how how these things can influence us. But it, it actually requires certain personality, like there is there's studies on suggestibility and about thirty percent of the population or sorry, twenty percent of the population are highly suggestible. If you put them in a meditation, you say now you see, you know, white light, it's coming from your, the top of your crown chakra, blah blah blah. You have all this sensory experience. That person will like totally see that. If you if you like and and, and some people they are utterly resistant to these effects like you tell them stuff and they they just can't see it they can feel it they can't hear it and then there's 60 percent something like gaussian distribution which somewhere in between they feel a little bit of that the ones who are highly suggestible they can have kind of like out of this kind of lifestyle it can it can like make them more sick or like super healthy depending of like how how it goes in a sense like they can Definitely, because they can embody that so well that they actually have a physiological response. But the detriment of that might be like even the idea of gluten will cause allergic reactions, <laughs> like in a sense. So if you believe gluten is bad for you, like it can actually cause an allergic reaction to even <laughs> being told that some food had gluten in it, even though it didn't. So you can suggest yourself then into positive or negative outcomes also. So so what I want to say here is that there's a huge, huge psychological component to this whole personal development and health optimization. What I've experienced is like the people who go full on on it, like almost neurotically, like they have like some traits or aspects that they share in common with others who are who do it very well in a sense kind of like the kind of people like Tim Ferriss or Dave Asprey and like I think they share something similar in a sense like this overachiever type and I believe there must be also then some other effects also like in case of Tim Ferriss there is depressive episodes maybe can be one like I, I have work closely with people who have like periods of overachiever type and then periods of like underachiever type for example and it's it comes like i mean they suffer a little bit of the manic phases and then the depressive phases because it's it's like two drastic changes like swings between the two and i i believe like all of us like need that to some extent we need like periods of high productivity and focus and periods of like just procrastination and not getting anything done kind of thing and trying to be like this superhero who kicks ass all the time and i mean it's very romanticized and awesome but i think it needs to be evaluated critically like is it really is it really balanced like can can you really like 
live to the max constantly? Like, does it make any sense? Is it, does it provide happiness? Really re- providing the results you seek, maybe? I, I find it so fascinating how you shine your light on all the important factors as psychologically, but also expanding the consciousness and that it's all intertwined together and that we should not stress, no pun intended, (laughs) it too much as well. When we went to the the summit last time, there was such such an interesting experience because people I spoke there as well because they were together with all of all of the guests and because of the topics you uh, shined your light on there was some kind of perspective switch on how they perceive their own health but also how they how do you say that it became less of a, a performance and i think that is highly influenced by what you try to achieve with the summit and also what you said earlier when people get together my close circle is not into biohacking it's some sort of a weird hobby and i think you provide not only in this conversation but also at the summit and everything you do around that is some sort of space where people can be seen and yeah, they can be themselves and they can find the others, the similarity. Like, we need that so much. Like, we need to feel we belong to something. And it's a very primal need. Yeah. Yeah, and, and combine that with the perspective you're you're promoting. is I, I think that's that's a beautiful combination. Yeah, like the, the whole, I mean, what you just described, it was a very intentional priming. Because what I really value now in, like, in people is authenticity that they can like show vulnerability and like 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 talk about their weaknesses or problems more openly like that's requires a lot of courage i don't remember who said it but it's basically that in times of deceit telling the truth is a revolutionary act and that's kind of like that like because everyone else tries to be this superman or woman or hero or whatever like it, it, think of the working life everyone has like CVs and tries to like portray mastery around them and be liked and get all the work they you know deserve and attention it's kind of like this competition constantly who's the top dog in a way and there's a lot of insecurity in it like people people don't feel enough they compare themselves to others and they try to portray themselves in the best possible light that's called the narrative identity in a sense and it's fine but when I'm in a conference, like having a conversation with someone who is like able to like let some of that those layers down a little bit and like just show themselves as they are, that's cool to me. Like, like I remember I was in a biking conference in 2018 that was in probably in Latvia, and there was like all these cool biohackers around Europe, and then we went as a group like on a dinner, like just, you know, book some restaurant, nice restaurant, we went there. And there's like a, like everyone orders, of course, the typical biking thing, like I want a steak and with some broccoli, whatever. And then there is like a surprise from the kitchen, which is like, they place like a huge sheet of paper on on the table. And then this guy starts to paint this 
paper with uh, different like gravies and sauces and all that like makes this art piece in front of us like 10 people of us on the, around the table and then he makes this whole act out of it and then everyone is like okay awesome what's going to happen next so the next thing is like there's a huge basket of white bread that is thrown in the middle of the table and then the guy is like after the performance like you're supposed to like take a piece of bread and like take some gravy and you know enjoy this whole thing and when the waitress leaves like there's like this silence of probably 60 seconds like everyone's looking at the basket of bread you're in a biking conference you're not supposed to eat bread and then like someone just reaches out like oh fuck it like it's just a hormetic stressor so like <laughs> turning that into a bypass where yeah it's just like beneficial stress like we, we can occasionally enjoy that and everyone had a piece of it but in the end like the fact that you have like all these people who pretend to be superheroes who never have gluten like are having a piece of bread together was a fun moment to me at least like it was like okay you're totally allowed to do that like you're not gonna be stigmatized and and this guy from the kitchen put like a lot of effort in it and so far no one of us has actually celiac disease and is gonna die doing this like it's fine so this authenticity and flexibility in some situations is it, it, it requires a lot of bravery if you are an extremist like and your identity like is is attached to being an extremist your audience expects you be, to be this guy all the time so i value that a lot and so that was just a simple example but in, in the summit for example like, like my goal was to make sure that people are more operating from the heart and not from the mind and they would like show up as they are and maybe more interested in each other and maybe share like like realize that okay you shine light into this facade you built for yourself and then they're like oh it's a bit like i can't like act egoistic now i can't like be this guy who is like yeah what do you do yeah i do this and that like it's it's kind of like it just created a nice atmosphere and it was like designed to do that way like we'll see what we do in amsterdam this time but it's i think with the 1700 people we had last time it was wonderful very very different than a typical conference where everyone is pitching something to everyone else Yes, yeah, definitely. That's at least how I experienced it. But I spoke a lot of guests and speakers, and I think it was a unique experience. Uh, so uh, let's let's do it again this year. Uh, what is the exact date in October? So yeah, if people want to know more about Biker Summit in Amsterdam, it's going to be 14 and 15 of October. And it's a week-long thing, so there's some outside events if you want to come for... A hands-on experience there's the optimized day workshop a few days before the vip experience starts already on friday so this weekend 14 15, but 13 there is an upgrade dinner which is part of the vip experience and that's like it's not really a dinner it's more like a hands-on learning experience together with the other guests and in guidance of award-winning chefs and biohackers and biochemists and then we got an awesome party also probably the largest ecstatic dance party in the Netherlands ever. And yeah, it's 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 wonderful. And if you are from UK, we do have a warm-up or event on 1st of September. 
called Biker Summit X London. It's kind of like a preparation event. It's a more intimate, but has all the like typical aspects of a summit. And then on the 3rd of September, if I remember correctly, we're going to have the meetup in Amsterdam. So that's going to be the, the biking community from, from Netherlands meeting up. So I'll be there. So so there's a lot of cool stuff that people can do in both in September and October if they can't wait. And if you can't do that, like we have plans next year, not for Amsterdam, though. We have for Helsinki in June and for October in Tokyo and Japan. Very wow. much looking forward to the Tokyo one. But next year is not going to be Amsterdam again. So if you want to do the Amsterdam thing, I recommend everyone to book their tickets. Now, the interest has been massive. Last year was so successful that we are expecting maybe a couple of thousand people. So it's going to be great. Impressive. Impressive. I'm really looking forward to it. I enjoyed the conversation, the knowledge you shined upon our listeners today. And I'm looking forward to our meeting in on the 3rd of September as well, Tim. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yorick. And be well. Live long and uh, shine light in wherever you need to so that you can be living your better life or best life ever and whatever that might be. Yes, sir. Thank you. Until next time.